everyone. It's Dr. Denise. This is the Dr. Denise Show, the Rocking a Betrayal series, season three. I just want to give some foundation that this series was inspired by my own very personal experience of what I kept saying, I am rocking my betrayal. I want to let you know prior to sitting down to do this show, I took a moment, I lit a candle, I actually hit my Tibetan bowl, I imagined Ruth Bader Ginsburg joining us in energy form, Martin Luther King, and the quote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And many of you listening have had some sort of betrayal, whether it's a fraud, divorce, infidelity, Maybe you feel like you betrayed yourself with a financial decision. Betrayals come in all different flavors. And I think one of the most important things to set out to do is once we realize it, that we need to figure out what is our own path from going to crisis to stabilization to thrive. So the kickoff of season three, I am so honored to do deeper dives on the healing the alchemy and the spiritual side of rocking a betrayal. And as you listen, I invite you to apply these universal tips and tools to your own situation. And who did I get to invite back? And I'm so honored. Donna Anderson, welcome back. Thank you, Denise. I'm so glad to be here again. Oh my goodness. So I look at you when I think about life, you know, we're in 2023 And you are a paradigm progression pioneer in alchemizing a betrayal and a fraud of your own. Can you give us an idea of how your, what your earth mission is with regard to rocking a betrayal and how you've rocked yours? Well, to give a little bit of background, uh, I married a man who turned out to be a complete con artist and he took a quarter million dollars from me he cheated on me uh it he cheated and i wasn't the only victim he did this to multiple women i mean this is exactly how he lived his life was by essentially romance fraud romance scams he would um start relationships with different women and uh swear to each one of them that they were the person he's been waiting for all his life and um eventually get his hooks into them and take hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that was what started me. And when I realized that my entire marriage essentially was a financial fraud, and it it took me a while to figure that out. But once I did, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, this and and the next thing that I learned is that there is a, a personality type that does this type of thing, which are sociopaths. And I realized that I had a story that needed to be told. I had a story of how you know I was um, a, a successful person, a journalist. I, I had my own business. I was uh, I you know, obeyed the law. I was successful. And I fell for this. So I realized that it was a story that needed to be told. And I launched lovefraud.com in 2005. And ever since then, it's been my mission, first of all, to 
instruct people and educate people that there are those among us who do not have the same perspective on life as we think that they do. They're very different. Their objective is power and control and exploitation. And secondly, to help people recover from these experiences. So I'm actually here and looking at the season two when I invited you last year, which I'll put in the show notes. And the name of your very first book was Love Fraud. And then did it say Love Fraud, How Marriage to a Sociopath Fulfilled My Spiritual Plan? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, by the way, to me, when did that book come out? What year? 2010. Okay. So to me, we're in 2023. And fortunately, like we have people are more aware of this because of people like you. Can you let me know at that time when your book dropped, what other resources were out there for people? Because I feel like now it's almost become, you know, I'm calling this time in history, the era of the sociopath. Because it seems like almost like people are making livings out of just cheating people in every way. And I feel like humanity's almost gotten used to it, unfortunately. So I'm wondering at the time when your book launched, how many people were talking about this? How many people were doing reality TV series? I mean, there wasn't the Tindler Swindler then. What was it like if you could travel back in time when you decided to alchemize and rock your betrayal by writing a book, starting a platform, what was it like in the world? Well, actually, the first thing that took place was I built my website, which is lovefraud.com, and that launched in 2005. And at that time, it was pretty much the only website on the internet that was taking a deep look at sociopaths and personality disorders and con artists. So there was very little information available uh, back in 2005. And um, it it got progressively better um, because then in in 2010, when my book came out, there definitely was more discussion of it. In fact, you mentioned TV shows. The first show that came out on this topic was Who the Bleep Did I Marry? And I was the first episode on Who the Bleep Did I Marry? (laughs) So uh, it was the, the first one of these reality shows that started talking about these situations. So So I want to do a pause. That's very important. I want to thank you and your energy and your spirit and your grit and your resiliency. So keep going. I just want to thank you because without people that are brave enough in that moment, when you have a fraud, and I know with mine, there's that initial feeling of being sucker punched. And there's a lot of feelings of shame. So I'm kind of inviting as the audience is listening, if you are going through a fraud right now, or a business uh, mishap, or in a marriage, it's I just maybe, Donna, can you go back and take I'm not trying to re traumatize, but I know you've alchemized it. Can you talk about those initial feelings on a deep primal level when you realized you had been defrauded? Oh gosh, it was awful. You know, and I guess the hardest part about it was that the person I was most angry with was myself. Um, you know, because I, I, I I didn't argue with him. Well, I did argue with him, but I'm the one who gave him the money. And that's the real difficulty, especially when you're dealing with a con artist, is that 
con artists don't succeed without your cooperation. And the idea that I was the one who agreed to give him the money and agreed to be part of his plans. And uh, I knew things were going wrong, but I, I kept believing that this man loved me, as he said, every day. And so it was it was awful. And um, so I was I was very distraught. I was curled up in a ball on the floor, you know, trying to, you know, deal with it and, and crying and, and angry and, and everything like that. So it was extremely traumatic. However, that was also the healing process. The, the healing process was getting to those deep emotions that uh, the betrayal, the, the, the shame, the um, wish that it had been different and Letting those emotions come to the surface is actually the process of healing. So even though it, it looks pretty <laughs> unpleasant and it certainly felt unpleasant, it was crucial for my recovery. And I think that's a very important part of discussing like the universal truths of rocking a betrayal. And as a psychiatrist and an integrative psychiatrist and also someone who has gone through an un unimaginable fraud myself in which I was targeted on my own social media platform where I was trying, where I'm continuing to do um, good in the world about raising awareness of mental health. I was targeted on Facebook. I met a gentleman who was an, was an ex NFL football player. He wanted to come on my show. I had been meeting exceptional people in my journey. So it's almost like I had, I want to talk about even the concept of blind spots I think sometimes when you're in a very kind of exciting time in your life and your own feelings, I was having so much joy building the show. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm meeting all these great people. And I think that's one of the things I'd like to encourage people when you're in your own life and you're in this too good to be true moment. And I feel like I'm relating back to maybe how you felt when you fell in love with your ex-husband. It's almost like you're on this high and sometimes you get blindsided and you're not able to pay attention to some of the pink or red flags. Is that something you can relate to and that others have also mentioned to you? Oh, my goodness, yes. You know, <laughs> and um, my ex-husband, when I met him, I mean, first of all, he was very charismatic. He was very charming. He seemed like this, you know, entrepreneur who could take on the world. And and this is the image that he portrayed. And it was very exciting to me. I mean, this man who, who seemed like a Superman was you know, telling me that I was the woman he was waiting for all his life. And, and yes, it was all very exciting. And interestingly enough, con artists know this. Con artists know that in order to um, get their hooks into somebody, they need to get them emotionally worked up. They, there's actually a term for it. It's called under the ether. And what that means is that uh, whoever they're targeting is highly emotional and it could be either positive or negative. Um, and in my case, it was positive. I mean, he was painting this wonderful picture of our, our life together and we would be living in the lap of luxury and all this other stuff. But it also works with a typical scam artist who calls and says, you know, uh, your, your grandson just got arrested and we need money. So th this is the a prime tool that con artists use is to get you uh, highly emotional. And then when you're not thinking clearly, that's when they take advantage of you.
So I have a couple of other like fun terms because I think sometimes when you're going, this is when you're going through the betrayal, you almost have to have these catchphrases to stay sane and use healthy humor. So you just said under the ether. Mm -hmm. I also have a term, you know, just say no to drinking the sociopath Mm -hmm. Kool-Aid. And I also think what you just said is that they match you, that they're chameleons so what they do is they mirror almost your deepest desires and they match that and they love bomb you or the equivalent, whether it's in business or personal of all your dreams. It's like they study you and they're, pro- they're professionals at knowing what to say to keep the hook. And that's exactly correct. And, and, and that's actually one of the things that is so devious about these con artists is that they use your dreams against you. Yes. Let's just, can we just say that? That's a very key point. They use your dreams against you. They use your dreams against you. And that's in everything across the board. Would you agree with all the tens of thousands of people you've met? Oh yes. Yes, absolutely. So I have another term that I've introduced before and it's a little bit harsh, but it actually validates people. And um, I call it, spiritual rape. Yeah, that's harsh. <laughs> and but it, but it's but true. Feel, it's spot on. Yes. Because yes. they mirror, imagine everyone, you're there and the other soul's there and their mind and their source of living and their source of existing on earth is trained to look in and do a deep dive on any part of weakness you have, dream you have, excitement, knowing how to flatter you. And so the idea, once you realize you have gone through this, the level of like, I love what you said, Donna, when I, once I had that sucker punch moment, I'll never forget because um, the ex NFL player was supposed to arrive four days later with a contract. I had loaned him money and it was based on his home closing And everything looked just good enough online. Like he had the home, he had this, he had these bogus charities, right? The minute I realized that this was like, not that this was a fraud, I did the same thing. I looked at myself, like, how can you trust yourself? Mm -hmm. How did this happen? And especially with all of your Donna professional accolades and how I would say conservative and forthright and linear, I had never met anyone in my life that had gone in and like studied me to this level. And even all of my friends met him at a dinner that was a, like a humanitarian dinner with a Buddhist monk. I have pictures, which I haven't revealed yet. It's going to get revealed at the right time where he was holding his hands with prayer hands, Mm. Buddhist monks, meeting someone that's now actually in India right now with the Dalai Lama. We went and he was like, he knew all the right things to say, you know, how to use the name of God, how to say, we're going to help children. We're going to do charity together. And I thought, Oh my goodness, I met someone that really gets the mission, you know? And all my friends were like, you guys are going to take, you're going to help the world. And even one of my friends, Donna is an FBI profiler and she Mm -hmm. liked him. Mm -hmm. So I did my, what I would say vetting of, getting to know him. I did what I did not do. And this is the linear. We're going to keep going spiritual, but I did not. And I would always recommend people. I did not do a background check on him Mm -hmm. because I looked at his charities 
And I looked at his words and even Don, I was thinking about the first time I ever FaceTimed him. He had children around him holding water bottles. They were loading a truck to get water to go to Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. So it's like they do do these things where parts of their life look like they're heroes sometimes. And then that's what's tricky too. It's like an intermittent exposure of like a spattering of good. But when you deep, when you drink that sociopath Kool-Aid right at the end, that's where it stings. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I can say that uh, my ex-husband, uh, part of his uh, chameleon fraud was that he claimed to be a military veteran and a military hero. And so he got involved with the Vietnam Veterans Organization and was involved with, uh, they had a, um, some kind of event, you know, helping people with what they call dual diagnosis, you know, people with substance abuse and mental health issues and veterans and all this other stuff. So he was, he was doing all this charity work and uh, essentially he was trying to burnish his image um, to get access to political power and to convince people that he was, you know, up and up. Wow. So, we have so much to unpack. So the lovefraud.com site was launched in 2005. The book, the first of your eight books, right? Or is it nine now? It's it's eight, yes. Eight, eight books was launched in 2010. And so I can tell everyone from a, an adult and child psychiatry perspective in all my years of working with all ages, one of the biggest things when we're um, in our own healing and mind, body, soul healing path is going into the suffering. And when we go into the suffering and unpack it. So if you're going to a spiritual leader, an attorney, an Akashic record read, anything, when you're about to start figuring out what to do for your unique betrayal, um, I really think it's important that you let yourself, you have to allow yourself to have all of your feelings because your feelings become your rocket fuel and your healing tools. And I just want to read this phrase Use the energy of fear, betrayal, and other intense emotions to create a momentum of change. Donna, that's exactly what you did. Your linear tasks were finding this platform, being the founder of Love Fraud, writing the books, and tell us how many people you've now been able to help. And then let's go deeper on your own spiritual healing. Oh, gosh. Well, I would say probably in all the years Love Fraud has been available, it's been um, millions of people have visited Love Fraud. I know that I've probably got 10 or 12,000 cases of people who have told me their stories. And I have definitely received lots and lots of emails from folks who have said that Love Fraud saved their life. So it's, it's really rewarding to be able to do that. It's beyond rewarding. I mean, it's it's almost, I have to tell you, when we think about how much we can use our own experiences to, you know, learn how to put our own oxygen mask on first, first. Yeah. And then go and help others. It's super rewarding. Um, I, I actually, as you're saying that, I had looked at our show we did last year. And one of the things you had said that I think is really important is that I put Donna says sociopaths hijack the human bonding system, three steps of a sociopath hunt, 
Upon meeting their victims, they, they assess, do they have anything they want? Number two, what are their victims' vulnerabilities? And three, then they target the vulnerabilities. And you had said extroversion, investment in relationships, and cooperativeness are the top three traits women who are con that attract the sociopath. I just want to say that again, extroversion, investment in relationships, and cooperativeness. And I can say I fit that profile myself, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how you fit it. I want to go more deeper in our own vulnerability and how, you know, we talked about the linear things you did with the site, helping others. I mean, helping others to me is the highest level of healing. When we are in the service space, I don't, I can't even think of anything more spiritual than that when we're helping another human being. Well, I can certainly say that I, I too fit the profile of uh, the, the folks who tend to get targeted by sociopaths. And, um, Actually, it kind of makes sense because, you know, there's this rumor going around that the people who get targeted have like low self-esteem or, uh, you know, are, are weak. And, and that that doesn't make any sense at all, because if the sociopath wants to take advantage of somebody, they want somebody with some assets, you know, with, with something going for them. Correct. So that's why. Yes. So that's, so that's why a, that's a big myth buster. I, I need to just do a real big pause. And I'm going to say it, that is the myth buster. And that is why so many people, when they have this happen to them, I've, I've talked to people that have been victims of Ponzi schemes, business partners, financial fraud within marriages. And usually people, like you said, it's, it's, they're really actually in a very big success space and they're often wanting to help more people. So it's not that low self-esteem. I'm sure there's outlier situations, but I think that's one of the reasons why I think people take a while to come forward and decide to take legal action because you're actually, you're concerned, how are other people going to perceive me? Am I bad in business? Do I not have self-love? And I think that's one of the things as part of your own spiritual healing. If you're going through something like this and you're at the sucker punched moment as you're listening to this show, realize you are not alone. You can go to Donna's site, lovefraud.com. I've got series. You can lean into others. Once you start to even open up your mouth about fraud, I couldn't believe Donna. You know, one woman told me that was my friend. Oh, I lost 750,000 to someone I dated. Another friend told me her husband lost 1.2 million in a Ponzi scheme when they were on their honeymoon 25 years ago. Uh, you know, another family member that we, I didn't even know have been a victim of fraud. So I think once you get past your own kind of uh, sucker punch moment where you're in such shock and you start to take action with the attorney, with if you're, you're faith-based healing, I feel like starting to talk about it and acknowledge the feelings is a big part of the catalyst for getting help. Well, I can say I had the same experience uh, because once I learned what a sociopath was and you know what the personality traits were, and, and I started talking about it, all kinds of people were saying, oh, yeah, I know somebody got wrap, wrapped up with someone like that. And so I had exactly the same experience is that once you start talking about it, you find out that plenty of people have been where you are. Yes. I would like to ask you, part of my healing process was not only, I want to just do a special thanks. It's so fun. I just thanked Kathleen O'Toole right before I 
part of my process, Donna, is right before I do a show or see a patient, I have gratitude in that moment of now. And that's part of my way I'm spiritually more connected. And so uh, Kathleen had called me. She didn't know I was doing the show. And I thanked her personally. I also, I call upon what I believe energies that are here on earth and ones that aren't. I have a candle lit to do the show. I asked, hey, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, help us, help Donna and I not only have a good show, but help even more people. <laughs> you know, Martin Luther King, let's read. So I, I actually think part of my process um, is doing those simple tools. Then I did get an attorney. I won my civil judgment. I had a private eye. I also, for me, and this is where the kind of the spiritual part, uh, we've touched on it in another in the other season, but I did go and seek Vedic astrologist input as well as an Akashic record read. And I also had my dear friend that's the FBI profiler. Um, so I can tell you a little bit about what each of those how those each helped me. And then would you like to share some of the other tools you used? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so I had the linear stuff covered with my attorney and I was very fortunate to win the judgment, which I guess is really a big miracle because a lot of times you don't win these judgments. And I will tell you one of the things that helped me to win the judgment is I had a written business um, business statement with, my, with the individual about how we were going to help others. And it was all written out like a business plan. So that really helped to win my case. The spiritual part that really I wanted to understand myself even more. I wanted to look at all of my traits, all of my vulnerabilities, and make sure I heal through it and that this doesn't happen again. So I had a Vedic astrologer, uh, Jeff Harmon, that I worked with, and he confirmed. By the way, we it's we can't confirm this is more like the scientific method where you get feedback that maybe you can prove later. So you have to kind of get the data and check it later. So during that process with the Vedic astrologist, I looked at all of the things that were going on for me, all my life's dreams, what I want to and continue want to accomplish. Will I get this money back? Should I, when should I let it go? You know, my Vedic reading said I was going to get, you know, I, my fraud was 420000 plus attorney's fees. And it was told that I was going to get somewhere in the hundred something thousands back. But honestly, you have to make your own free will decision as you're trying to use the attorneys and collections, what energy you want to put into it. So when you do these like readings with spiritual people, you're also having your own free will of how far do I want to push this? Because you can put everything's energy. So the Vedic reading was helpful. And then I did in my own Akashic record reading where it's your higher self talking to you. And yeah, really, realistically, that was just more exciting about both of them really just helped to validate and rebuild my own infrastructure of my why that I was doing the Dr. Denise brand, the shows. And it's kind of really helped me to just, it was like almost giving yourself a mental health day by remembering who you really are. Because one of the things when you go through a fraud or someone steals or someone lies, you kind of have to rebuild your own trust with yourself. That's so however, absolutely true. Yes. Right? So, <laughs> so however, I'd love to hear your, so I just want to say that again, when you go through something like this, you have to rebuild the trust with yourself. And I've recently gone back. My fraud started in 2017, ended early 2018. I won the judgment end of 2018. Donna, I just recently went back and looked at pictures, looked at videos, 
And my face looked troubled mm. compared to how healed and happy and bright my life. Like I was kind of ready to go back and just like look at it all and even do a deeper healing. And so I was just going to say, can you talk about some of the tools you use to learn how to trust yourself again? And also your experience with the tens of thousands of people and yourself with like healing, like, okay, five years later, what does it look like for people? Cause for me, I am like the happiest I've ever been. I, I really believe that this, I'm calling it the era of the sociopath experience and I'm not calling it a lesson. And I'll tell you why in my Akashic record reading, you know, it said, you know, you are, you have master level knowledge, use the word experience that word, everyone remember the word thoughts and actions we do help heal ourselves. The word experience is much more neutral than the word lesson. The lesson seems as though you were supposed to get punished. Mm. But, so I think when you're in your own healing, pay attention to the words you're telling yourself, because if you get sucker punched and you're, you're just starting to decide, do I get the attorney? Do I go to my spiritual leader? Sometimes you're using unkind words to yourself and you really need to have a deeper dive of self-love in the whole process to get to your fullest level of alchemizing. Right. So what I've found is that there are two parallel paths to move forward. One is all the linear stuff that you talked about as far as if if you get a lawyer involved, if you go to the police and anything, all those practical things that need to be dealt with. The second path is your emotional and spiritual recovery. And a lot of people tend to think that, you know, first you got to do the lawsuit and then you do, you know, get a divorce and, and you know, get your money back or get, and, and everything like that. And then after you do all that stuff, then you'll work on your recovery. And first of all, you, you, you can do both paths at the same time. And it's better to do that because they both support each other. When you're working on your emotional recovery, it helps you to make better decisions in, in the linear things that you need to do. And when you're working on the linear stuff, it, it gives you more space to do your emotional recovery. So it it's, it's really important to embark on both paths at the same time. And from my point of view, I had, uh, I certainly, I found a good lawyer and uh, I told her my story and she like threw all her standard questions out the window because she never heard anything like it, <laughs> but, but she was good and, and she, she really did a good job for me. And then the other thing that I did was I wanted to find out what my ex was really doing and what was the truth of his behavior because I didn't know, you know, I, I only knew what he told me. And so actually one of the best things that happened in my case is that I became best friends with my husband's mistress <laughs> and the two of us, because she had lost money as well. I lost $227,000. And um, when I found contact information for her after I left my ex, I called her up and I said, I'm Donna Anderson. I'm James Montgomery's wife. And I'd like to suggest that you don't give him any more money. She said, it's too late. I already gave him $92,000. So, so this is a, if I can interject, this is so important. In season one, I did rocking a betrayal sisterhood. And what you just said is crucial in the sense that when I won my lawsuit, 
I did get the subpoenaed bank records and I started seeing where other monies were going to. And one of the other women um, lost 180,000, two of the other women, 33,000, one had ended up winning the judgment. And I ended up, we ended up being like a whole team. And then I, after I launched the first Rocking and Betrayal series, other people listened to it. And I had the one judgment that could help other people, but it was really intense. It was like a sisterhood, but it, but it was also emotionally, it was healing, but it's sometimes I just want everyone to know, I love what you said, Donna, when you said the linear, cause I often talk about the linear, the nonlinear. And I picture writing those words on each side of the paper. If someone's going through this, write down linear, nonlinear, then almost like draw an infinity loop between the words and you can do the parallel healing. But also, Donna, did you find that when you found her and she was helping you, that it was supportive, but sometimes it was almost too much? Because I found myself, because I still was functioning as a mother, as a psychiatrist, I had the attorney going, the linear, and then my non-linear was resting at night. I had my spa robe, wild hair, and I told myself, you are allowed to cry sometimes. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, so did you find yourself having like, series of emotional roller coaster feelings throughout um not with this other woman um we were just because we were both in in fact what what the beauty of it was was that we were conning him (laughs) because we were talking you know multiple times a day but we never told my ex that we were in communication so she's doing her thing and i'm doing my thing and it, it 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 was it was actually very healing. I, I didn't have the overload, although I have certainly heard that from other people, you know, where they, they just couldn't deal with the other victims anymore. And so that, that can happen. But in my case, it was very helpful. And the other thing that's helpful about it is that she understood exactly what I was going through. Whereas yes. many, many other people do not, you know, my family didn't, uh, other people didn't, but she, having been there herself, knew exactly what the situation was. Can, can I weigh in on that? So with my situation with my group of women, um, they were at different levels of fraud and one lady ended up, ended up helping save her marriage by me warning. And I just followed up with her. And I want to talk about just the concept of shame. Because when people are going through this, and you can speak on all the people you've helped, some people have, when you when you have another human being that understands the magnitude of the lies, the web, it's almost like you have to be ahead of your sociopath to win the case, which I, which I actually have to tell you, I got really good at thinking like that person, which mm-hmm. was also kind of scary because like he had burner phones and I knew like we had all studied his texting patterns that he did to us with emojis and the way he love bombed us and the different patterns he did with all of us. And if I were to tell any of my other friends this, it would sound like something from Cuckoo, like Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs cartoon mm-hmm. or something. So one of the things that's part of the spiritual healing is if you find a platform like Love Fraud, or if when Donna was going through it and I was going through it, you find other victims from your sociopath. It is very healing because you don't feel like you're alone. But I find that some people still have shame. Like I, I, I was able to tell my brother first, my sister, my friend Kathleen. I waited to tell my mother in person because I just didn't want to put her into like an overload of panic and anxiety. 
And my mom was the one who actually found my private eye. So I just want to let people know that your healing experience and how you choose to do it is very personal and just be easy on yourself into who you confide and how you heal. Absolutely. And the other side, um, the nonlinear side of what I did was um, I had a a therapist, um, an energy therapist who I had actually been seeing for a few years, even before I met um, my ex-husband. And she was, she was crucial um, because I would do sessions with her and um, guidance would show us that a lot of this went on in past lives. And I was able to identify approximately 20 different past lives that I had with my ex-husband. And that turned out to be the crucial thing for me because essentially in this journey, what I did is I made up my mind that I was putting an end to all these experiences with my with my ex-husband and that was the goal uh, and the objective of the uh, of the whole experience and you know Donna Donna, when you just said that I had the most playful cutest healing cartoon vision of you being so happy and smiling and with literally a little flag that says rocking a betrayal and like throwing it down in the earth like I'm done I'm done (laughs) with this bye-bye and like kicking the, like using a stiletto, like kicking the, the betrayal off the island. Like, no, thank mm. you. I've already done this experience. I'm done. Because I have to tell you right now, I am not drinking any more sociopath Kool-Aid in any of my past, present, future. It's like you want to heal that energy field. So, I mean, how does it feel right now with everything you've done? I'm, as you said, for yourself... I- I've never been happier. You know, things are going well uh, with, with love fraud. I'm, uh, you know, it's getting bigger. I have a bunch of projects in the works. Uh, I, you know, I have luckily um, been able to remarry, and my husband and I just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary like a couple weeks ago. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. By, by the way, ha- happy anniversary, Terry. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, so so I'm good. You know, I mean, it, it was, it was messy when I was going through it, but the actual lesson, the, the real lesson of the whole experience was on a spiritual level that my role was to let it go. You know, because what had happened was through all these different lifetimes, he was he was what he is. He was a sociopath. He was me. There were times when he, you know, we were married and he beat me. And, and then there were times where we were like business partners and, and he was a fraud and, and taking advantage of people. And I kept coming back trying to fix him. And it's not my job. My job was to work on my own recovery, my own path back to oneness and to let him go. And that ended up being the lesson. So I'm listening to you and I'm here in this moment, but I'm also really grateful to the unseen energy. And you know this, that I had gotten your book right when this happened, because there was different variations of the business dealings with my fraudster. And my dear friend Kathleen said, Denise, I don't think you should read that book yet. You're just because she knew my linears and non-linears. 
so I had your book on my shelf and I, it dropped into my awareness, my own intuition. That was the healthy intuition was I'm going to meet this woman someday. And so I just want to say, I'm still right here in awe that I met you through your publicist that reached out to me to interview you about your senior sociopath book last year, not even knowing about this series, Rocking a Betrayal. And your publicist told me, by the way, can you say your publicist's name? It was Kim Weiss. I want to just thank Kim Weiss because energetically, whatever she was feeling when she decided to reach out and email me, this, I want to just do the infinity loop of gratitude of when people come into our lives, whether it's the attorney when you're in your healing process, the spiritual help, someone later that you can do good things in the world with. So as you're saying, Donna, all the projects you're doing, I'm just in gratitude that somehow our energies attracted so organically. And it's, I just want to thank you for all the work you're doing, um, the time and love you and Terry have put into the website, all the books, and all the, the layers of people that you know. And I just want to thank you for our time today and time that we've had in the past and any time we have in the future. I'm very appreciative of who you are. So thank you. Well, I'm so appreciative of you as well. You've been very a, a good guidance for me, and I appreciate you wanting to spread the word and the mission of helping people spot and then recover from disordered personalities. Absolutely. Can you let everyone know where they can find you and also maybe list your other books that they can um, pick up and read so that they know all the different levels of tools that you've provided for the world? The main website is lovefraud.com. And I have lots of basic information explaining personality disorders, uh, lots of people who have told their own stories, which is very helpful because when you read these stories, you realize that you're not alone. We also offer webinars um, through education.lovefraud.com, and we have about 50 different webinars all focused on um, uh, exposing and recovering from the experience of being involved with a sociopath. And then my books, we've been talking about my first book, uh, Love Fraud, How Marriage to a Sociopath Fulfilled My Spiritual Plan. And that reads like a cross between a true crime novel and a spiritual journey. It was, it was, it, it, it's really quite a story. So then I also did Red Flags of Love Fraud, 10 Signs You're Dating a Sociopath. And so that's a typical self-help book, which will help you to spot whether or not you are romantically involved with a sociopath. I then also have a workbook that goes along with the Red Flags book. Then I did um, the four-part series of Best of the Blog, which are essentially collections of the blog articles. And my most recent book is Senior Sociopath, How to Spot and Escape Lifelong Abusers. So, and and that one is, I, I really like that one because it's a little more comprehensive than the other books. And um, I'm, I'm getting really good feedback on that. Well, thank you so much. And um, so lovefraud.com is where they can find everything, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Donna? I'm excited. There's you've, I mean, think about it. You've reached millions of people. There's 8 billion people on the planet. 
I think we're living truly, there's so many good angels out there doing good work, but I feel like that's only beginning for all the work that you've done. So I'm, I'm honored to know you. So, okay, everyone check out lovefraud.com. And remember if you've gone through anything like this in any way, you're not alone and you can absolutely recover and be happy and even meet amazing souls like Donna. Thank you everyone. Thanks, Donna. Thank you. Thank you.